Let's pray together this morning one more time. Lord Jesus, you are so good. And God, there's really no way to, God, for us to tell you that other than just saying you're good and it doesn't really do you justice, Lord. God, you're so patient with us and you're so kind with us. Lord, you endure the moments that we're ridiculous or sinful or prideful. You endure our selfishness. God, Lord, you endure God, the moments that we're egocentric. God, we're self-centered. You endure those things and you just give us grace and mercy and love. And this morning, God, Lord, I just want to, for a few minutes, God, talk about the gospel. Lord, it's the theme of the whole Bible, Lord, in Genesis chapter three, Lord, where you told the serpent that you that he would bruise the heel of man, but the, the heel of man would crush his head. God, Lord, even then you were you couldn't wait to let the gospel out. That one day the, the cross of Christ would crush the head of Satan forever, God. You were preaching the gospel in Genesis, Lord. And God, all through the Old Testament, Lord, there was prophet after prophet after prophet and book after book after book that built this anticipation for a Messiah. It built this anticipation for reconciliation. It built this anticipation for glory. And God, as a baby, you came. And you lived a sinless life and you died the death of a sinner, never having sinned. You died in our place. And you gave us the gospel, the good news. And Lord, this morning I pray as we look at Galatians chapter one, Lord, I pray that the good news would just spring up in our hearts, Lord, like never before. In Jesus' name. And everybody together said Amen. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. Make it easy on you guys. We'll stay here for a few weeks, possibly the next two months, so you can just kind of take your Bible marker and drop it there so you have quick reference. I am absolutely intrigued by the way that Paul talks about the gospel in just a minute. I'm absolutely blown away by his ability, though he is like the church planter of all church planters, the, the, the theologian of all theologians, the preacher of all preachers. He, being all those things, is so quick to defer glory and to defer the, the story away from his own might or ability to be saved and give it back to the Lord. And what I want to read today is Galatians 11. I'm going to read the rest of the chapter and then we're going to kind of work back through it together. But I want you to kind of just keep this in your mind and your heart this morning. The gospel, the word gospel, simply put, simply means good news. Just good news. It's the good news. So let's go. Verse 11. Galatians 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Think about those few words right there. Go ahead and log those away in your heart. Is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Grab that phrase right there as well. Hold on to, 
I did not, it's not man's gospel, and I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Oh man, I love this shift. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to Cephas and re remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was still unknown in person in, to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, I love this phrase. He who used to persecute the church or persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Last sentence, and they glorified God because of me. Today, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about a gospel that does not come from man. I want you to hear me say this. I want you to just kind of let this download into your heart and into your spirit. The word of God and the spirit of God is sufficient to do all that we need in life. Did you hear me this morning? The word of God and the spirit of God is sufficient for whatever we need in life. No matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, the Word of God and the Spirit of God is sufficient. I want you to see this. Paul, because this is what he says. We'll jump back to 11. I would have you know that this gospel was not a man's gospel. He's saying it's not something that was made up. It's not something that me and a few guys got together and you know we orchestrated this, this pretty gruesome crucifixion and then we stole this guy's body in the middle of the night and we, we orchestrated this big plan so that you know thousands of people would be martyrs for his namesake. And he's saying, no, this gospel, this good news did not come from man. It's not something that we created. It's not something that we thought up some moral system to keep everybody in check. And I want you to hear me say this morning because what I love about Paul is in the beginning, last week we talked about it. He was saying, listen, if anybody preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. We use the word anathema, let him be damned, right? So if, if somebody else preaches that gospel, kick them out, turn them off. And I want you to hear me say this before I move on this morning. You say, TJ, you're kind of intense today. Yeah, I'm really amped about this word. If you listen to a certain preacher on a podcast or you see somebody on TV or you listen to a preacher that attaches anything other to the gospel, if it be me or Brother Wayne or anybody else at any other church that you might ever go to, if they try to attach something to the gospel, if they try to make it about themselves or you, about what you can gain or get from God by pleasing him, don't go back to their church. Delete the podcast and turn off the TV. Because the gospel is sufficient. I want you to hear this this morning. There is nothing that we can do or get that can substitute for the gospel of God. I mean, we try. The, the Judaizers in, in the first part of the chapter, right? They were trying, like they were trying something that would substitute, make them feel righteous or make them feel good about themselves. 
Well, yeah, yeah, the gospel's good. Jesus is good. But, you know, I need this other thing. Listen, I want to tell you today that there's no substitute for the gospel and surrendering your life to the hope of the gospel. Listen, the gospel of God, this is what's so beautiful. He said it's the word of God and the spirit of God. The gospel of God is where the the word of God came and died so that the spirit of God could come and live inside of us. Do you hear that this morning? The good news this morning, gospel simply put, good news is the fact that the word of God, and scripture says, we're gonna read it in a minute in John 1, that the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God in the flesh came to the earth, died in our place and then ascended into heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come and fill us. The good news today is that Jesus Christ died for our sorry souls. Not only did he die, he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be filled. I don't know about you, but that's good news this morning. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and he, was, he in the beginning was with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made was made. And then the Spirit Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I want you to hear this. Our doctrine, our theology, our gospel has got to be balanced with the Word and the Spirit. Because... You say, Tia, I I really don't get what you're saying. Help me out here. See, if you you can take the Bible and divorce it from the Holy Spirit. You say, whoa, 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 Tia, hold on. What do you mean? You can take the Bible and you can take verses out of context. You can make it say what you want it to say to make people feel guilty or make people feel bad. Or make people feel condemned. You say, TJ, are you really sure? Listen, Hitler took a verse out of context, out of our Bible. And he used it to manipulate people. So the word without the confirmation and the affirmation of the Holy Spirit is nothing, is nothing but a condemner. The law by itself, he says it over and over, the law by itself does nothing but condemn us. But the law plus the spirit, I want you to hear this, the spirit of God, when he breathes life into the word, he affirms it and he helps it come to life for us. And when we receive the gospel, we receive both because I want you to hear me say this, there are churches and there are pastors who would have you believe that the gospel is just all about what's on the page. It's just about the word. You're not supposed to feel any emotions with this thing. It's an intellectual exercise in the glory and the beauty of God. They're ivory towers of exegesis, and they're good for nothing more than facts, usually, if you find a pastor like that. But there are men who would have you believe that the gospel is just about the word. But then there's also pastors who would have you believe that the gospel is just about the spirit. And it's just some emotional experience that we feel. It's, it, we, we only embrace the Spirit of God or the Gospel of God when we're in sets of worship and we feel a tingle run down our spine. That's, only, that's when the Gospel is really moving. And listen, I'll tell you the same thing. Someone that only hangs the Gospel on the Spirit or only hangs the Gospel on the Word, you should run from them. You should run from them. Because it's not a man's Gospel. 
It's not th- something that can just be delivered based on intellect. It's not something that can just be received based on intellect. It has to have the Spirit. And listen, this is what's beautiful. The Word and the Spirit work in us in such a way that it just does work. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me tell you what I mean by this. We hear a sermon, right? And then something begins to shift inside of us. Anybody ever sat through something like that? Or you, you're, you're hearing a song in worship and you're singing out to the Lord and you, you feel something shift inside of you and you're singing these lyrics that are from the Word and all of a sudden you just feel the presence of God. You feel a shift. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand or, or even really acknowledge. I just want you to be thinking about this. When those two things begin to work together, God is authoring in us a correct appreciation for the gospel. Not just the word and not just the spirit. You say, TJ, you just keep saying gospel over and over and over and over again. You keep saying gospel. And I asked myself, when I was reading this text, when I was walking through it, I thought, why is Paul so hung up on the gospel? And getting it right. Do you notice that? This book isn't just about the gospel. It's about the gospel and getting the gospel right. He was emphatic. Paul knew that the gospel of God would touch every area of our lives. See, that's why he was afraid of of us thinking that it might have come from man or, or that on our own ability we might be able to receive this gospel. Because Paul knew that the gospel of God would touch every area of our lives. He knew, listen to this, that it was the solution to the problem. It's the refuge for the wayward soul. It's the hospital for the wounded sinners. It's where our depravity met his divinity and was atoned for. It speaks to and is sufficient for every area of life. You say, come on, TJ, it's got to be more complicated than that. It can't be that simple. Like the gospel's not that simple, right? It's got to be more complicated. Like it's got to be something more than just Jesus going to the cross and dying in our place and sending the Holy Spirit. What if I told you it's not? What if I told you it's that simple? That's the solution. That's the anchor. That's the lifeboat. That's everything that we need for life. You say, TJ, are you sure that it speaks to every area? Listen, it speaks to your marriage this morning. You may come in, you may walk in this place this morning and you may think, man, life is going good and you might be hitting on all cylinders and and everything just be like the notebook in your relationship, which in the beginning was really shaky. I don't know if you saw that movie. Everything might just be a bed of roses in your marriage, but you may walk in this morning and you two haven't spoken in days and you're like, man, let's just just make it through this morning. Let's just not do a scene. Let's just not fight. Let's just go to church. I'm here to tell you today that the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, him coming and dying on the cross in your place and being raised from the dead to give you the Holy Spirit is enough. Listen, Ephesians 5.31 says there, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And what I'm saying this, it refers to Christ and the church. The gospel speaks to our marriages. When we're at a place, listen, when we're at a place where we're like, man, I just can't do it anymore. I can't put up with the junk anymore. Man, I just can't, I can't do this. I can't live in this house. I can't walk through this anymore. The gospel says, look at the cross. Look what he endured for his wife. Look what he walked through. 
The gospel speaks to our marriage and it's enough this morning. Christ crucified. The, the problem is that we want to add all these other things to the gospel. Not only does the gospel speak to our marriage, the gospel speaks to our parenting. When we look at the gospel of God, it's this free gift. It's this beautiful gift, but the gospel of God, in its faithfulness to us, it gives us grace, but it also disciplines us, doesn't it? See, he gives us the word, and then he gives us the spirit, and the spirit is that thing inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that the moment that we pray to receive Christ, the moment that we're converted, the Holy Spirit seals us until the day of redemption. So what that means is that if you are a true believer, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And when you look at sin... When you go to walk into it, when you're in the middle of that conversation and gossip is just swirling around and you feel the lump kind of come up in your throat and you know you're not supposed to say something, but you kind of go anyways and then you just kind of feel this shadow, that moment is that the Spirit is disciplining you. That moment when you're maybe by yourself and you think, man, I can just click on this screen and, and, and just look for a few minutes or watch for a few minutes and that thing that just kind of raises up in your heart and then you just feel like, oh, something pulling me away from this depravity and this darkness in my life, that thing that just kind of checks you, that's the spirit. And it speaks to your marriage and it speaks to your parenting and it speaks to our lives with grace and with discipline. And the way that you look at your kids, man, it should shape. And I'm saying this because, man, I'm a, I'm a foster dad. And I'm a really bad dad sometimes. I just blow it. I lose my temper. Like all these books that I've read, like nobody really knows how to raise a kid. We just write a bunch of random stuff down and hope people buy into some of it. But in the midst of our parenting, the gospel speaks to us. I've told you the story before, but our... our, our our foster child one time told me that he hid my phone and we were in the woods. And, uh, and we'd been like all over the woods, like 200 acres of woods. And I carried him on my shoulders forever. Just, and he'd be like, oh yeah, it's over here by this tree. And he was four and I was trusting him. I have no idea what was going on in my mind. It's like, yeah, by this tree. He's like, not this tree, that tree. And so we go from this tree, that tree, that tree. And like we, we walked so far and my legs were tired and I was just kind of tired. And in this moment, he was just like, I don't want to ride on your shoulders. I want you to hold me. And like, so I'm just kind of holding him and I'm, I'm walking back to the truck and, and he had lied to me because I found the phone where it had fallen out of my pocket. And he was like, yeah, I was just joking. So I got this, this kid in my arms who caused so much stress and so much work and added so much work to my day and he lied to me and in that moment I just got this picture of God and this picture of how God feels about us as parents those of you that that are loving on kids and God's like TJ you do the same thing like you spend your life all the time pointing, oh, I'm going over here, God. I'm going over here, God, or I'm doing this, God. And TJ, there's moments in your life where you're just lying to me and you're, you're spinning yourself and you're causing all this work. Would you look at the cross, TJ? But never one time. And, and, and this is the moment that it hit me. I was almost back to the truck and I was tired and we were sweating and he was just like chilling in my arms because he didn't have to walk. And I looked down at him. I remember this moment. I was just like, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else in the world than carrying this little guy. 
In that moment, I just looked at him. I was like, man, I don't care how many steps I've taken. I don't care that you've lied to me. Like, I'm just glad I get to be your part-time dad for a while that's holding you. And I thought, if my old sinful, depraved self can have that thought, then how much more does the gospel speak into our parenting as our good father? speaks to our parenting, it speaks to our marriage, it speaks to our finances. And I don't know, I'm the preacher and I'm not supposed to talk about this part, but I don't really care. Check this out, Luke 20, 12, 15. And he said to them, take care and be on guards against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's saying, listen, take guard. Man, watch out because your heart your heart will easily get wrapped up in how many, how many decimal points or how many commas you got working here. Your heart will easily be tied to how much excess or how much is not there. Your heart can easily get wrapped up into how many things sit in your driveway or how many houses you have. Your heart can easily get wrapped up into how many trips you can take or, or how many things you can do. Your heart can easily be pulled away from money by money. And then the gospel speaks into our finances and says in 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Again, he's writing and saying, hey, all this silver and gold, just trinkets in the kingdom of God. Your 401ks are gonna burn. Stock market will one day crash for good. And the king of kings will be the Lord over the living and the dead. There'll be no taxes. I don't know about that, but that's just a hallelujah, right? There'll be no more taxes to pay. But I, I want you to see today, the, the gospel was so important to Paul because it spoke to every area of our lives, every area of our lives. Our marriage and our parenting, our finances. It even speaks, and for me as a pastor, I'll just share some of my heart with you. It speaks to our church growth. People ask me all the time, they say, you know, I'll, I'll run into people and they'll say, so you guys have went from, from, from a basement to a certain, and if you're visiting and you don't know that, we started this service, our, what we call a 1050 connection service in the basement. There's like 60 or 70 people coming. It was super cramped and dark and kind of awkward. It was in the basement, literally in the basement of our church. And, and, and then kind of grew out of there into the gym. And, and then from here, we went to two services because everybody was kind of packing out. And some of you know that story, some of you don't. But even as I was thinking about kind of where we are in life as a church, the gospel speaks to our church growth. And listen to what he says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, we get, we, we get caught up in this idea that we have something to do with this. Or that our own, on our own, we could accomplish what needs to be accomplished in our marriage for our household to be peaceable. Or somehow we get caught up in the idea that on our own, we can be the parents that we're supposed to be without God and without the gospel. Or we think that we can manage our finances and honor God with our finances without turning them all over to him and the gospel. And somehow, some of us get in our minds sometimes that what's going on here, even in our church, in the lives of the people in our church, that we had something to do with it. When at the end of the day, it's just the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ affecting our lives together as a faith family. And we get to be excited about that together. Listen, it speaks to our sin and our righteousness. And I'm going to move on to the next section of verses. But our sin was just enough to send us to hell. 
And our, right, our righteousness wasn't enough to satisfy the justice of God. It had to be Jesus. There is no philosophy or strategy or system that can, be independent, that can independently breathe life into us. It always has been and always will be the gospel. Do you hear that? There's no strategy. There's no system that can independently, without the Holy Spirit, breathe life into us. It has to be the gospel. Now, I'll I share one story with you, and then I'm, I really am going to roll on. But Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary and he was a missionary to China. He actually created an organization called CIM, the China Inland Mission, and this was years and years ago, um, in the 1800s. And when he was 16 years old, he, he prayed and he laid on the floor and, and he believed at 16 that he was called to evangelize China. I mean, think about that. At 16 years old, he said, hey, I'm, I'm called to go to China. I'm gonna spend my life there. And his congregational minister, he, he went to his congregational minister and asked him for a book on China. He said, I heard you have a book on China. I'd really like to read it. And his congregational minister said, well, why would you like to read this book on China? And Hudson Taylor said, well, I'm going to evangelize China for Christ. And the congregational minister looked at the 16-year-old kid and he said, well, how, how, do you, how do you plan to do that? Hudson Taylor said, well, I believe I'll do kind of like the 12 and like the 70 that were sent out into Judea. I'll take neither script nor scroll, but I'll depend fully on the Lord Jesus Christ to do the work. The congregational minister looked at him and said, ah, oh, son, that's a great idea. But one day you'll be much older and much wiser and you'll realize that that may have worked in the day when Jesus was on the earth, but those kind of things just don't work anymore. Hudson Taylor was writing this as an old man and after he had sent hundreds, thousands of missionaries into China and after there had been thousands and thousands of converts to the name of Christ, Hudson Taylor penned this, I have grown much older, but I am none the wiser. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was the Word and the Spirit. It was the gospel of God. Jesus Christ coming in our place is sufficient for everything and anything that we need. Mm. Let's move on. Galatians 1.13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. I want you to hear this. Paul reminds everyone that the word and the spirit are sufficient. And then he immediately turns to his testimony as proof. Paul says this in, in verse 11 and 12. He says, listen, the gospel of God that didn't come from man, it is sufficient. And immediately he turns to his testimony as proof. He didn't pull out some seminary textbook. He didn't pull out some Sunday school curriculum. He didn't, he didn't pull out some strategic deal he'd been working on in some back room somewhere. He simply said, look, the gospel is sufficient. You know how I know? Because I used to kill you guys. Like, remember the, the, the guy that they talked about that would kind of come into town and pull men and women out of their houses and just kind of behead them in the street and was super excited about it when that guy named Stephen was stoned? I was there kind of gathering everybody's garments, kind of doing the root root thing. Like, when he died, that was me. And I can tell you, this is what Paul's saying, I can tell you the gospel's sufficient for every area of your life because it absolutely changed mine. 
And then he goes on, Galatians 1, 15 through 17. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. I want you to hear three things quickly from this little piece of scripture. God set him apart. Listen, there was a pre-birth plan that Paul surrendered to. In your life, do you know that before your mother and father put a name on you, before they knew if you were going to be a boy or a girl, if you were going to have blue eyes or brown eyes, the God of creation had an absolute and altogether good plan for your life. Not only had he set you apart before birth, he called you. Every single one of us in this room run into that. We heard a track or a song or some friend invited us to church. And we heard the gospel or right now maybe you're hearing the gospel and it sets our hearts on fire and we have to surrender. We're like, man, I I just got to give my life to Christ. Why? He called us. And it was only by the spirit that he revealed what the word had done for us. Closing. I want you to hear this. I'm going to read the rest of the chapter and, and give you just a couple of things. Galatians 1, 18 through 24. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remain with him 15 days. But I saw no other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing before God, I do not lie. Then I went up to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute the church is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. I want you to hear me say these few things. Your story and your scars are not pointless. Do you hear me this morning? Paul was unashamed He was brokenhearted over his past. He was brokenhearted over who he was before Christ, but he was unashamed to tell of the incredible glory and the story of what God had brought him out of. Listen, do not be ashamed this morning and don't think you're not equipped. You may say, man, TJ, I want to share with my friends. I want to share with my family. I want to unpack the gospel for my kids or my, my friends, but I don't really know what to do. Listen, your story's enough. And how your story intersected with the story of God and how you realized that Jesus Christ coming and dying for you and raising from the dead and sending the Spirit was enough. Your story and your scars are not pointless this morning. The gospel is sufficient. He has set you apart. He has called you by grace. He's revealed to you the only way of salvation. Why has he done all this? So that he might be glorified. Paul said, man, I'm telling my story, like all my scars, I'm just throwing all my dirty laundry out there. Why? So that God might be glorified. So that if any of you sitting out there think, oh, he couldn't save me. You don't know the sin. You don't know the depravity. You don't know the nastiness of my past. No, Paul is screaming at you. Shut up. Look at the gospel. Look at the gospel. And allow God to be glorified in who he makes you. Let's pray. Father God, how sweet. God, I just feel like the old school song this morning, how sweet it is to be loved by you. Absolutely and altogether sweet. You are faithful 
And you are good to separate us and to call us to yourself, to love us in spite of ourselves. And this morning, as we simply close with a little hymn together, I pray that you would stir our affections for the simplicity of a gospel, a gospel that is good and faithful and simple, that you came and died, you rose again, and you sent us the Spirit to do what we couldn't do. We surrender to it in Jesus' name. Amen.